0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the
1: inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Morning Bulletin here on the Blood Red channel as we bring you your must-know stories from this morning's reports. I'm Guy Clark and on Tuesday the 15th of September, these are your top stories. Chelsea left a sweat on Werner Fitness ahead of Liverpool showdown by Munich no longer calling the shots in Thiago Chase. How could the Reds be looking to land Kylian Mbappe? Divock set to depart as Fenerbahce Circle and £10.8 million release clause sees Sampdoria defender enter the mix. All to come here on the Morning Bulletin from Blood Red and alongside me as ever is Matt Addison. Matt, we had football to take in last night. Chelsea getting their campaign underway with a 3-1 win down at Brighton. What did you make of them?
0: Yeah, it was uh, an interesting game, wasn't it, going into it? We thought that, you know, obviously with all of those new signings, it would have been a, an interesting game. And I suppose the, the most interesting thing was that, you know, Chelsea didn't look that good, did they? They didn't look particularly fluid or fluent. And I think Timo Werner was excellent, but not too many other standout performances, really, which I suppose for for Liverpool going into next weekend is, is probably not a bad thing. But uh, yeah, it was... Uh, Slightly disappointed, almost with Chelsea. I, th- I think they've obviously got players coming back. I know we're going to talk about a couple of those injuries that they've got in just a second, but yeah, they weren't particularly impressive. And you know, on, on the other hand, I thought Brighton very much were. I think you know they looked much more of a, a team unit. Obviously, Chelsea have got the better individuals, but yeah, it was uh, an interesting game. I think Brighton will, will be absolutely fine this season. I don't think they'll be in any danger of of going down. Certainly, and and Chelsea maybe won't be quite as good certainly in the first few weeks of the season as what plenty of people might have hoped or certainly expected that they might have been.
1: Yeah, no, it seems to take an eternity for Chelsea to get going quite literally with the the season, with them obviously being the last side in this round of fixtures to get underway. But also, as you say, it sort of seems to take an eternity for them to actually click if they even did, I suppose, through the course of the 90 minutes, both Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, both in the starting 11 then. And as you say, I think... Primarily, it was all eyes on Timo Werner, certainly from a Liverpool point of view. A 3-1 win for Chelsea ahead of Liverpool's visit to Stamford Bridge on Sunday. But Werner had an ice pack strapped to his thigh at the end of the game. And I suppose what else did we learn from it, Matt?
0: Yeah, a dead leg, apparently, for Timo Werner. Apparently that came in the the penalty incident, which I think was... You know, pretty much typical Timo Werner, wasn't it? Getting in behind, pouncing on a mistake and, and knocking the ball past the goalkeeper and, and Matt Ryan brought him down. So yeah, he he won the penalty. I thought he did pretty well, Timo Werner. Um, probably a little bit frustrated with a few of the players in behind him. I don't think Kai Haberts had the best of games. I don't think Ruben Loftus Cheek should have really been in that starting 11. I think there's far better players, Alan Hudson Adoy being one of them who was. On the bench for Chelsea last night and I think Timo Werner was a little bit frustrated he, he made the most obviously of the the chance when he got it but yeah it wasn't uh, too many opportunities for him but you know a dead leg you wouldn't imagine that will keep him out for a, a full week you'd expect that he will be back next uh, weekend certainly you'd imagine he'll be in training this week despite that dead leg and Christian Pulisic the other one obviously a huge miss for, for Chelsea we saw a few weeks ago, in that game, the five-three at Anfield, just how good he can be—absolutely unstoppable, really—at at times when he's in full flow, very much like Eden Hazard, really, in terms of that dribbling ability. But apparently, he's had a setback; he felt some discomfort in his leg, obviously coming off the back of the, the hamstring injury that he got in the FA Cup final just a, a few weeks ago. And I think the, the sort of discomfort was still being felt a couple of days ago. I think Frank Lampard said he, he could possibly have, have played last night had he desperately needed to. So, again, you'd expect that he would probably be back for, for next weekend. But obviously, it, it goes without saying, it would be uh, a huge positive for Liverpool if somebody of his ability was to miss out. So, Timo Werner and Christian Pulisic, I would expect probably a back um for the game next weekend. But we will just have to, to wait and see. I think, obviously, Chelsea missing a few players at the moment. And I think that was telling last night. So, if that is the case again, and it's a similar sort of Chelsea eleven on Sunday, I think Liverpool can be very confident indeed. But, of course, Christian Pulisic, if he is back, would be a huge boost for Chelsea.
1: Yeah, all eyes on Stamford Bridge on Sunday then. I know a fair few reds nervy of what Timo Werner could potentially bring to the table. So we'll have to wait and see if he is fit for that game. From the action on the pitch to the action off it. And, of course, talking about the transfer window and where are we going to start first up? Well, of course, it'll be with Tiago Alcantara, that's where. And we've two lines on this this morning, Matt. Firstly, on Liverpool's approach to any potential deal and how they could really take advantage of the contract situation of Tiago. And secondly, Manchester United seem to have weighed in as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, we know, obviously, um, he's into the last few months of his contract now, not even the last year, is it? Because, obviously, the, the way the season and the transfer window has played out by the time that October window comes, Liverpool will only um, have, what, three or four months before they can then potentially agree a deal to take him on a free next summer. So, yeah, Talk Sport suggests that a bid from Liverpool will come this summer, but it will come in the final week of the window, and I think... To an extent, that kind of makes sense. Obviously, you want to drag out these negotiations as long as possible. Or obviously, we know that Liverpool are not in active talks at this moment in time. But you know, from a, a sort of uh, a buying perspective, if Liverpool do want to sign Thiago this summer, it would make sense to to make that go down to the line if they feel they are the only ones who are interested. They're the only team that Thiago would like to join. Well, there's no rush to get that deal done. and Probably Liverpool are not going to pay the fee that Bayern wants, so the longer they wait, the more likely it is that they will drop that price tag a little bit. So I suppose it does make sense um, in that regard. Obviously, we know at this stage Thiago is not an active target for Liverpool, but of course those rumours don't go away, and I think I think potentially if he is available on a free transfer at some point in the the future, perhaps that stance could change. So. That kind of links in with the, the second part of the story, as you alluded to. Manchester United uh, believing uh, that Bayern Munich are essentially driving up their interest and in, in engineering that they have no interest in the player, but they're using Manchester United to, to drive that price tag up from a, a Liverpool perspective. So it's pretty much the, the same situation as, as what Liverpool believe it to be. Uh, obviously, all of these reports and rumours about Thiago seem so far to have come from the German perspective they seem to be coming either from Tiago's camp or, or certainly from Bayern Munich's camp and Manchester United apparently have no interest at all in signing Tiago this summer despite these latest reports Manchester United as I say essentially believing that Bayern are using them to try and bring Liverpool to the table so it's one of these sort of complicated situations to explain um, but it's Pretty normal, isn't it, with transfers? We see all of the time Liverpool's name is thrown in there, Manchester United's name is thrown in there, just to try and speed up the process, trying to you know, make teams make a move a little bit quicker. And I think that's what has happened in this instance, first with Liverpool, and then when Liverpool obviously haven't bitten and and come to the table, they've tried to get Manchester United to the table. That hasn't happened either. I suppose that the bottom line in all of this is just that Bayern Munich really are, are desperate for... For Thiago to, to leave this summer so that they get a transfer fee and they don't lose a, a player of his quality for for nothing in a few months time so Bayern Munich obviously having to, to do a bit of engineering I think because the, the situation is completely out of their hands I think if Thiago wants to leave obviously he can do that the player has all of the power in this situation and, and Bayern Munich are just I think trying to, to sort of pull a, a little bit of that back with the these rumors so but we'll, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. But it wouldn't uh, be a massive surprise, I don't think, if Thiago is still where he is with a few days of the transfer window left. And probably these rumours will continue right up to that October the 5th deadline.
1: What a joy we have with all of that. It is... Uh... Maybe getting a little bit desperate from Bayern Munich, as you say, as well. Just trying to do what they can to get Liverpool to the table. As always, though, worth reiterating from the Echo's understanding, Thiago's not an active target. Things, though, could get exciting in the final three weeks of the window that we are into now, of course. And talking of excitement, could Mbappe 2021 genuinely be on the cards? Plus, we've the latest from the rumour mill on Liverpool's pursuit for a new centre-back. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Kylian Mbappe to Liverpool, but at what cost? On Monday there was news that the Frenchman may be looking to leave PSG, possibly next summer with Liverpool one of the mooted clubs. Now the Express have looked into how a deal could be financed and crucially, which players could have to potentially leave, Matt.
0: Yeah, um, obviously Liverpool are not going to be spending a huge amount this summer if that was to be the case next summer. Kylian Mbappe, obviously one of those players that I'm sure fans and probably a few people behind the scenes at Liverpool would love to have at the club. But the Express suggesting, probably fairly obvious really, that Liverpool would have to sell one of their front three next year in order to fund a move for Mbappe. I mean, on Mbappe, he's obviously spoken plenty of times about Liverpool he's got very good English move to the Premier League I think would make a lot of sense for him to to leave PSG and and move to the Premier League before he then goes to probably Real Madrid but possibly Barcelona as well at some point in his career obviously still very young 21 I think he is Um, so he's still got at least another one or two moves in him left in his career and I think He would probably like to come to England at some stage. I think, you know, that's not really a huge secret. It's just a case of which club can afford him. And I suppose the question then is, will that be Liverpool? So, look, Jurgen Klopp clearly loves the player, rightly so. He's probably the, the heir to Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo's throne for the next 10 years. And, you know, of course, it goes without saying that Liverpool would love to have a player like that. As far as a front three succession plan goes, of course, Kylian Mbappe would be absolutely perfect for Liverpool, but it all comes back to the finances, the fee. I think they paid around 160 million for him a couple of years ago. They're going to want at least probably 250 million, you would imagine, given his age, his ability, and, and everything else around him. Obviously, the experience of playing in the Champions League and, and that sort of thing. The only thing you would say in terms of the price tag is that his contract does expire, I believe, in two years' time. So, By next summer, he'll only have 12 months left on that deal. But even then, it's going to be a huge fee. I don't think PSG are going to be panicked. I think even if the price is a little bit lower than what you might expect, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, probably both Manchester clubs, you know, every single big team who can possibly put that money on the table will do so, I think. So look, as long as the price is right, Liverpool will very much be contenders. I think if it was purely on which football team was best suited to having Mbappe in it. If it was purely on which manager did Mbappe want to play for, which club did he want to join, I think Liverpool would be right at the very top or certainly there or thereabouts in terms of the queue for Mbappe. But the only question really is how much is he going to cost? How much is he going to cost in wages and that sort of thing? Um, It's very, very difficult to, to sort of see how Liverpool would put together a package financially without sort of, you know, bankrupting the the rest of the club, if you like, because as soon as you offer the huge wages that Mbappe would be on, suddenly you then have to offer that to whoever's left at the club, be it Van Dijk, be it Allison, Mane, Salah, you know, suddenly everyone then needs a pay rise. So it would be a very difficult deal to get done. Um, But we've seen, you know, Mbappe uh, amongst Liverpool fans has been a big talking point, rightly so, because, you know, it, it would be, Um, An absolute dream signing, I think. But it's just a case of, of whether that dream ever becomes a reality. And if I had to bet at this moment in time, I would suggest probably it won't
1: yeah you've got of course though as the story suggests there one of the front three may be leaving that succession plan idea you're talking about the link up with Nike you've got me now dreaming Matt you've got me thinking of all these ways that it possibly could happen it's just a fantastic piece of transfer gossip that one one for the daydreamers that is for sure well if Salah, Mane or Firmino aren't to go to help finance that deal or any deals in fact this summer certainly others do still need to be Moved on, and the Mirror reporting this morning: Divock Origi, Liverpool's Champions League hero, what 15 months or so ago, could be reaching the end of his Liverpool career map. <laughs>
0: Yeah, again, another player that we've spoken about in terms of transfers for a number of months, really. Not really for the last few weeks, but, you know, sort of from the turn of the year onwards, we were discussing, you know, was it the right time this summer for Divock Origi to move on? Was it you know, the, the right thing for Liverpool to try and cash in on him? I'm pretty sure a bit like people like Harry Wilson and, and Zerden Shaqiri, they probably would have done had the price been right before COVID-19 intervened with all of that sort of thing. So, it is one to keep an eye on, I think, and yeah, apparently Fenerbahce, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Brighton and Fulham all interested in him. But reports in Turkey suggesting that Fenerbahce are already in talks with Liverpool. So I think it, it would be a deal potentially that could make a little bit of sense. I think Liverpool can get a better option as backup to that front three than Divoka Obviously it goes without saying. He's already you know, written his place in Liverpool folklore and that sort of thing with the goals that he scored in terms of the Champions League and you know, last-minute winners in, in the Premier League in that particular season. But since then, you know, last year, he didn't do a great deal. He's not a particularly effective option, I don't think. And if Liverpool can get a decent fee for him, it, it probably is one that they might look to cash in on, I think. So the idea coming from Turkey is that this would be a loan with an obligation to buy next summer, could be a way round a difficult market, as I mentioned. Obviously, the likes of of Wilson and Shakiri not really getting uh, much interest, if any, um, from the rest of the Premier League at the price tag that Liverpool will have set. So, potentially these sort of loan deals with an obligation to buy, by which time, hopefully, you know, COVID nineteen is less of an issue. Um, you know, the the finances and, and stuff around that. Hopefully, uh, by next summer, will be if not back to normal, as close to, to normal as as what we're going to get. So I think potentially this could be a possibility really for, for a, well, probably two or three players at the very least for Liverpool this summer. So it would be apparently a loan fee plus a £14 million transfer fee next summer, which I don't think is a particularly bad fee for, for someone like Divock Origi. I think that's probably fairly... Uh, Accurate in terms of the valuation. If he said that the loan fee was around 6 million, that would take the total transfer fee to about 20, which I think is probably there or thereabouts for somebody of his ability. Obviously, signed a new contract last year. Liverpool would need a replacement. You wonder whether Raymond Brewster could be that. Again, again, you know, re- reports seemingly suggesting that, you know, Liverpool would be prepared to cash in on him as well. You'd imagine if they're prepared to, to cash in on someone like Brewster, that might well be the same for a as long as the price is right. So, again, it, it's something to watch out for. Um, there's nothing uh, as far as we're aware. Uh, down the line at this stage you know talks are not at an advanced stage or anything like that but i think potentially this is one to keep an eye on over the next few weeks and you now we we spoke about brighton obviously played chelsea last night i think they looked pretty good but you know i think you know someone like Divock Origi, if you put him into that brighton team he could be a very effective option for them obviously create a lot of chances um plenty of good players but they just needed someone to to finish off those chances and i think Divock Origi, could be, you know, a very good option for one of those mid table clubs um in the Premier League. You know, if he if he can get, you know, thirty-five Premier League appearances, you'd expect him to be able to to score close to, to fifteen goals, you would imagine, in that period. So I think if there is interest and if, you know, teams can put the money on the table, potentially it's something that Liverpool should look at. It just of course depends on you know, other transfer dealings, what they can do with their other players and also whether they can get in a replacement before the end of the transfer window. So plenty of of things to to think about. But as I say, reports in Turkey suggesting that Fenerbahce might be leading the chase for Diabok at this stage.
1: Yeah, and so if one does go, then one maybe could arrive and reports circulating from last night and into this morning, despite Jurgen Klopp suggesting that Liverpool would get creative within their squad to fill the void left by Dayan Lovren, um, he could be looking to go into the market after all for a centre-back.
0: Yeah, Omar Colley, uh, apparently the, the Sampdoria centre-back, 27 uh, but he's got a 10.8 million pound release clause. I, I can't say I've ever seen him play. I can't say I've ever heard of him, uh, but I do know that he's six foot three and apparently is very highly rated over at Sampdoria. So, apparently, plenty of, of Premier League clubs interested. Certainly, you would say the price would be right for Liverpool. I think it's absolutely imperative that they get in another senior option at centre-back. I think if he is good enough and if Liverpool deem him to be the right person, obviously the, the price is, is absolutely perfect. The same amount that Liverpool got for Dan Lovren. So again, I've said it a few times now, but it is one to watch out for, I think. I'm sure Liverpool have got one or two things that they would like to do up their sleeve. It's just a case of, of whether those come to fruition. And I think we saw against Leeds over the weekend just how important it is really that you know Liverpool do get in another centre-back option because we saw, you know, Fabinho obviously wasn't that centre-back against Leeds but he wasn't on the pitch, he wasn't in that central midfield berth and I think Liverpool lost a lot of control in the game because of that. So I think for, for obviously Fabinho going forward it's, you know, really important for Liverpool that he is in that central midfield and you know, if he is going to be that fourth choice centre-back option it just means that he's not going to be in the position that he plays best in on a regular basis. So It would be a bit of a shame, I think, if Fabinho ever had to be moved back rather than playing his usual uh, position. Um, So we will see sort of what happens with this, whether it's you know Omar Colley, whether it's somebody else. I just think it's so important for Liverpool that they do get something over the line in terms of that centre-back position before the end of the season, even if it is just a short-term option.
1: Yeah, we'll keep an eye, of course, on that one and across on the Liverpool Echo website throughout the day. In particular, keep track of the Daily Transfer blog, which will round up all the top stories for you in one place. Before we go, a quick look at the calendar and today marks 16 years, I don't know how it's quite that long, but 16 years since Liverpool beat Monaco 2-0 at Anfield with goals from Gibriel Cisse and Milan Barros to get off to a winning start in their Champions League group stage en route, of course, to winning in Istanbul. Remember, you can find a link to our twice daily newsletter in the description of this podcast. All it takes is your email address in exchange for our top LFC stories to find their way directly to your inbox. Also, keep across Blood Red's podcast platforms wherever it is you get your audio on demand as well as our dedicated Blood Red YouTube channel. Coming up this afternoon, Analyzing Anfield will be with you as Josh and Dave look back on the win over Leeds and head to the weekend's crunch meeting at Stamford Bridge but from Matt Addison and myself Guy Clark thanks for joining us for the Morning Bulletin that's all for now You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo